Thanks for joining us today. At City Life, we have one purpose, making it easy for people to say yes to Jesus. We believe today's message will empower you to do exactly that. But remember that church is so much more than a sermon you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life. We are on a new series made for Monday. And uh, the, um, what I'm going to talk about today is there's no such thing as a wasted life. Or maybe to put it better, there's no such thing as wasted time. And there's, I remember growing up, there was a commercial that came on TV that uh, it would, it was called Freedom 55. How many remember the Freedom 55 commercials that you're dating yourself by putting your hand up for Freedom 55, but it showed, basically it was this, showed this couple or it would show a person like sitting on a beach or sitting, you know, kind of enjoying their life that they would be they would be able to retire at 55 was basically the whole premise if you play your cards right you can retire and not have to work for a living when you're 55 and uh, the thought of not working actually terrifies me as an individual i just think well yeah, I you can stand at the beach for like an hour <laughs> or two, <laughs> but like years, that's too much. And so the, uh, the implication of this was that all of life and work is this, it's kind of like this necessary evil that you have to endure. You have to kind of, you kind of have to just pursue your way through, push your way through, and then if you play all your cards right, you can finally enjoy your life the way you want at the end. That is a terrible, terrible way to go through life. That is a terrible philosophy to always think, well, one day I can have what I want, or one day I can have purpose, or one day I can achieve what I'm supposed to achieve. And, and uh, if you buy into that, a couple things will happen. One, you'll, you'll fail to find joy in your everyday. You'll fail to find joy in the little things that are around you. You'll fail to find joy in, in where you're at. And the second thing is you'll miss the purpose for which you were created. You'll miss the purpose for which you were created. Life isn't just about one day. It's about the present day. About, it's about what God wants to do today in the, in the day that you have today. And the one day, the one day disease actually leaves you frustrated. And to, this is, David said in the, in the Psalms, Psalms 118, he said, this is the day. Most of you know this Psalm because it used to be on a commercial. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Today is the day that God has given you. Today is the day that all the purpose of God is wrapped up in today for your life. All the purpose, everything he wants to accomplish in your life is going to happen today. And then what, what he wants to do tomorrow will be today, tomorrow. We're just going to stop that train right now. But this is... This is the theme he wants to write into your heart today. He wants you to have a theme in your heart of rejoicing. He wants you to have a theme in your heart of gladness. He wants to have a theme in your heart of joy. And it is very important that, that we, 
you know, you know how a story turns out by the theme of the story. And there's, there's, God wants to write a certain theme into our lives. And, you know, the world, the world around us also wants to write a theme into our lives. And it's, it's, it's not a great theme. All you have to do is pull out your phone and swipe over to see the news. And there's the theme the world wants to write into your heart. There's the, that's the agenda that the world has for you. And it, the theme that the world around us wants to put into our life, it's a theme of fear. It's a theme of outrage. It's a theme of victimization. It's a theme of unfairness. It's a theme of division. It's a theme of injustice. It's a theme of violence. It's a theme of recession. It's a theme of anxiety. That's not the theme that God wants to write into your heart. Let us rejoice and be glad in today. That's the theme. It's a different kind of theme and because you have a different kind of story. It's a story filled with salvation. It's a story filled with celebration. It's a story filled with joy and thanksgiving. You know, when Jesus, when Jesus uh, was talking to his disciples, he didn't tell them, you know, hold the fort for I'm coming. He didn't, he didn't tell them, if you guys just go hide in caves and just hope you can survive till I return, I'll make it all better when I get here again the second time because the first time apparently wasn't good enough. So if you guys can just, that's not what he said. He said, it was at Matthew 5, he said, let me tell you why you're here. He's, this is, so when, you, when Jesus says to you, let me tell you why you're here, you should listen because he's about to tell you why you're here. <laughs> he says, you're to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this world. You're to be salt seasoning. Let me put it, here's another way to put it. You're to be light, bringing out God colors in the world. This is where Jesus says, you're the salt and you're the light. You're the, if, we were, if I were to be Jesus, I would have used a different description. I would have said, you're the hot sauce. <laughs> Caliente. <laughs> Stay late. You're the moving lights in the background to bring out and emphasize. This is, Jesus is saying, basically he was telling his disciples, you're supposed to be different. There's supposed to be something different about you. You're supposed to bring things out of people differently. You're, the impact that you have on the people around you should be different. It should be different. God wants us to carry a different theme with us. A theme that brings a different outlook to the world around us. And this just isn't for church. This isn't, it's pretty easy to be encouraging here. I mean, if you're discouraging in here, then we gotta, we'll get you help. <clears throat> because this is a pretty encouraging environment, but it's more than that. God, God wants us to actually take that environment out into the, the rest of the environment around us. It's not just for us, it's, it, it's for our interactions, it's for our families, it's for our friends. It's for our communities. It's for the groups we're involved with. But it's also for this thing that we call work. This thing where we're interacting with people. 
And you know, we can, we can believe some myths about work. We've been talking about this over the last few weeks. Some of the different myths that we start to believe about work. And, and uh, I, some of them, I, I've, you know, the, some of these I catch myself falling into. And uh, one of them, this is it. Work matters when it's fulfilling. Work matters when it's fulfilling. It, we, can, we can start to believe that the greatest quest in life is to find a job that we love. There's nothing wrong with having a job that you love. That's a good thing. If you love your job, count it as a blessing. But that's not the indicator that you're doing the right or the wrong thing. Sometimes there's jobs that need to be done because they're necessary. They're not enjoyable. But, you know, I have a tremendous respect for plumbers. I do. It is not a job. Do we have any plumbers in the house? I have a lot of respect for plumbers, and I would not want to be a plumber. And there was once we were doing a job, and for those of you who don't know me, I, I also have a construction company. And so part of my week is out there doing work. And it was a few years ago, and we were doing a renovation, and there was the mom of the house was holding her young one in her hand, and we had pulled a toilet off to do a renovation in a bathroom. And he had a, like a little rubber ducky in his hand. And it was Andrew Dirksen and I that were in there. And he, he's standing there like five feet away from the toilet is off. You know, there's just the, the toilet flange. It's all that's left. And, and a hole. Like, and he, this kid takes his rubber ducky and goes, boop. And seriously, five feet through the air and straight down. His, his dad was a basketball player, too. So <clears throat> straight down the, the, the toilet. Big rubber ducky. It's like, that's not going to, like, that's not going to go away down there. <laughs> and so we went, we, we went all the way down to the basement. And there's a, everybody's got in their basement this little thing called a clean-out. And, and uh, we take the, the clean-out, the cover off the clean-out, and there's the rubber ducky. And all you have to do to get it <laughs> is reach through, like, two feet. It was, like, half an inch thick, coating the whole slimy. If you've ever opened up an old sewer pipe, you know exactly what I'm talking. It's kind of a white slimy. I have a very accurate word that would describe it, but I won't use it in church. And, uh, and uh, Andrew looked at me and I looked at him and I just said to him, if you grab that ducky, I'll buy you lunch. <laughs> And he did. He, went, he, he said, done deal. <laughs> but he actually, lunch got the ducky. That's not a fulfilling job. <laughs> to stick your hand down that dirty sewer pipe. But yeah, I'll tell you what, it's a necessary job. There's, there's jobs that go on all around us that 
Sometimes they're not fulfilling to the people that are doing them, yet they are serving the purpose of God for their community or for the people that are around them. They might not be the greatest job fulfillment-wise, but they are, but, they're do, but they matter. So work doesn't just matter when it's fulfilling. The second myth that we can believe about work is work matters because it pays the bills. And then what happens is we can end up seeing work as a means to um, it's a means to an end. It's a means to things that are more important. But uh, it fails to see the inherent value of work itself. And this, this actually puts us in danger of cutting out like the first two and the last two chapters of the Bible. Because we see a lot of work, work happening in those chapters. Uh, work, the third myth that we can believe, work matters when it's focused on uh, spiritual things. I say spiritual with quotes. Um, there's, there's this myth that, that God sees different parts of our life differently. God doesn't see divisions, well, this is your spiritual life and this is your, the rest of your life. He, he sees us as one life. We're one person. We're one life. And so to rank spiritual work as being more important than, if you want to call it non-spiritual work, we actually start to make divisions in our lives that God doesn't make in our lives, and it, it, uh, it, 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 God looks at it, I'm going to say it five more times here, the Bible, the Bible tells us to not look at the different parts of our life separately, but to, to see them, it's all integrated, it's all integrated, you can't do something in the non-spiritual side that won't affect your spiritual side. And uh, the, the last thing is, the last myth that we can believe is work matters because it's a platform for evangelism. And uh, that, that's somewhat of a myth if we look at work as just evangelistic opportunities and realize that sometimes work itself is the purpose. And it, what can happen is when we have, when we look at it that way, we can, we can begin to think, well, if this doesn't involve people, then it's not important. But it is. And uh, that can result in poor work, which ends up actually diminishing, you know, our, our character. So why does work matter? Why in the world would we talk about this on a Sunday? I, I work all week. Can you come and talk about it? Why work matters? Work matters. The first reason, work matters because it's the very first thing that we see God doing. It's actually the first thing. We see, it's the first character trait we find of God in action is he works. And there's a, in, in Bible school, one of the things that we learned about, uh, about, about the Bible is, uh, <laughs> I was deep, I know. <laughs> I had to go to school for that. <laughs> the, the, one of the first things we learned is it's this thing called the law of first reference. And I've talked about this before, but there's, when you, whenever you find something for the very first time in the Bible, there's, there's a special significance attached to it. So the first thing, when we, the first thing that's mentioned it, about God, we see him, the very first thing that's mentioned about him or his character is that he works. This is his character. This is his working is his very nature. And the first thing we don't just see that he, you know, we see him. The first thing he does is he creates. He forms. He says, let there be light. And then he begins, 
He begins to create the heavens and the earth, and he begins to create, and we see all these character traits about him. We see this manager as he's organizing and structuring. He's doing certain things on certain days at certain times. He's, a, he's, he's, managed, he's managing, he's organized. He's ordaining time and space itself. But we, it's more than that. We see that, that he's an artist. We see, you look at, you know, it, it, when you go out in nature and you, you see the beauty, you go, go through the Rocky Mountains and you look at just how beautiful, this is, this is his artistry in action. And, you know, we didn't need a lot to survive like if it was just all he had to do was grow some, I don't know, rice and grain and give us a chicken and a, and a goat. But he didn't. He created, you look at all of creation and, and just like, the, he gave us a giraffe. A giraffe is not a functionally... <laughs> like... Well, why? It just shows he's a comedian as well. Penguins. You know, he's, he, gives us, he gives us, you know, not just a dog, but he gives us hundreds of different kinds of dogs. He gives us spiders. Whoo! We had, we had a tarantula in our room on holidays, like just a few weeks ago. I'm not talking like, oh, that's a big spider. It's like, no, this is dish plate size spider in the house. It's like the the one one of our friends that was with us, she she saw it and there she goes, oh, that's a big spider. And I turn around, it's like, holy, <laughs> that's a really big spider. I left a blank. You can put your own word there. I used a good word, but you can put your own word there. You know, it's, he's, God's creative. Like he, he could have just, we wouldn't know the difference if he, if he just gave us a chicken and a goat, we would just have a lot of Slovakia. Like it, it, but, keep moving right along. We see he's a farmer. We see him, you know, creating agriculture, cre- creating all these different kinds of crops, which was which he created for, for us to live. He created, you know, all the different kinds of livestock. We find him at the engineer. God's an, God's an engineer. You think of how complex the universe is. And, it, you know, you, it's, it's interesting. You ever watch those YouTube videos where they just keep panning out on the earth as it just gets bigger and bigger into the galaxies where they, you know, they, they show, they, they, they show, well, just go YouTube the size of the universe and watch it. It's really cool. But then there's also, you can go, you can almost go smaller the same way. Like as, as science keeps getting, their ability to keep looking at things smaller and smaller and smaller, they're finding that it's just as infinite to go small as it is to go large. That as they, you know, the first they discover cells and then they discover, you know, molecules and they discover atoms and then neutrons and then, they, but there's still all these other things as they go smaller, they're just discovering smaller and smaller and all of these things are engineered to work together. God's a master engineer. He's a master engineer. We still don't have a computer that even comes close to the technology that's in your brain. You see the, 
God's a master landscaper, a master architect. We see him as the janitor who cleans the earth with the rain. We see him as the police officer who, who promises to protect his people. We see him as the teacher who inspires learning as a source of all knowledge and wisdom. God is glorious and majestic and holy and good, and he's a worker. He's a worker. And there's a part of him that's only reflected when we work. There's a part of his image that we bear only when we work. And the second thing, work matters because it's the first task that he gives to his people. First chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1, verse 26 and 28. This this is where we're created. He says, now let us conceive a new creation. He just had created everything. He just had created the entire earth. All the dogs, chickens, penguins, giraffes, goats. All of this is done. And he says, now let us conceive a new creation. In other words, something that's completely different than everything else we've already created. It's humanity. And we're going to make humanity in our image. And we're going to fashion humanity according to our likeness. And we're going to grant them authority over all the earth, the fish of the seas, the birds in the sky, the domesticated animals, and all the small, creepy, creeping creatures, the tarantulas. And so God did just that. And he created humanity in his image. He created the male and female. And then he blessed them and gave them this directive. So here we are back at the law of first reference. What's your purpose? Well, you're going to find it in the first reference to humanity. Be be fruitful and multiply. Woo! And populate the earth. I make you trustees of my estate. This is it. This is it. This this is what we were created for, is to be trustees of his estate. So care for my creation and rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that roams across the earth. We're explicitly called to work. You were created for work. You were created to do something. You were not created to sit at a beach. Trust me, you don't want to just sit at a beach. You will get bored with the beach. Because there's not purpose. And that our purpose is, part of our purpose is to work. We aren't called to just leave the world alone or leave it on its own. We're called to be stewards of it. We're also not called to exploit it for our own gain and take advantage of it. We're called as trustees. We've been given this thing called earth to take care of it. God created humanity in his own image. And the first thing we see about him in his image is he's a, cre- he's a worker. He's a creator. He's, he's, bringing, he, he's putting himself to work and doing something. So when our work is done well, when we, when we do our work well, we're actually reflecting our creator well. This is why excellence matters in our work. Because every job done well reflects the character of our God. Some of you are thinking, this is not what I expected to hear in church today. Some of you are thinking, I don't want this to be told to me. And others are thinking, I hope my kids are listening right now. (laughs) Four ways that good human work puts God on display. First way is good good work on our part 
It's a portrait of God's character to the world around us. It's a portrait of God's character. God's a worker. He worked for six days and he took a break. And then he said to us, follow my example. Follow my example. He's, in other words, he's a worker. How does, how does the world around us, how do those that we come into contact with, how do they come to know that God is a creator or a protector or a rescuer or a healer or a restorer? Well, I'll tell you how they experience it. They experience it through us. They see it through us. And so we have to ask ourselves, what do people see when they encounter me at work? What do people see? If my work is a commentary on the character of God, what am I saying about him? What am I communicating? Does my work show a God who's faithful? Does my work show a God who's excellent? Does my God show uh, does my work show a God who's marked by sacrificial love? Those are good questions. Second is good work is magnifying glass for God's creation. Good work is a magnifying glass for the, the greatness of God's creation. God, God shows the world what he's like through his, through his creation. And when God created the earth, he called it good. But it's interesting, he didn't call it finished. He, didn't, he, he called it, this is good, but this isn't finished. He actually then created man and woman and gave us the job of doing the finishing. He gave us the job of doing the finishing. He left it up to us. When God created the world, this carpet was part of it. These lights were part of it. The seat you're sitting on, he created all of this. The iPhone that you're holding or that's sitting in your pocket, he created that. If, if you have a Samsung, I'm sorry he didn't create that. <laughs> I couldn't resist that. Just He actually did. <laughs> He created all of that, but he left it all in the earth and he left it up to us to unpack it. You know, when it comes to medicine, when it comes to healing, all of that was put in the earth, but he left it up to us to unpack it. That's our job. That's our calling. That's our commission is to bring out the fullness of what's been put and unlock the wonder of what God has hidden in creation. Three, good work displays God's loving provision. See, work is the way God provides. Work is the way that, God's, God, that God provides. And just like me as a parent, when my kids, you know, when they, they're, they're growing up, they, you know, I need money. What do you do? Well, if you're a bad parent, you just keep giving them money. Yep. If you want money, you've got to do some work. If you want spending money, there comes a point where you're going to have to get a job. And we're not, we wouldn't make our kids get a job because we wanted to be mean to them and punish them. In fact, by just giving them what they asked for without having to work, that's actually being mean and punishing because that's not how life is going to work for the rest of your life. A good parent teaches their children to work and that, that, that's one of the most valuable lessons we ever learn as young people is how to work. And for good work is a preview of God's kingdom. God's work, it's like, it's like a Polaroid of what's to come, of what, of what God's kingdom can be like or what God's kingdom 
will look like. And it, you know, a preview of God's kingdom might be that doctor who helps restore someone with chronic illness or infection back to health. The interior designer who takes a plain space and turns it into a place of peace and tranquility or excitement and anticipation. It's the teacher who draws out, coaxes out the creativity in those students that maybe wouldn't do well in school otherwise, but that teacher that just learns to tap in, learns to help them tap in. Or maybe it's that coach, that trainer, that gets you to do something that you never believed you could do before. Brings you to a place where you can perform in a way that you didn't think you could perform. These are all glimpses. The mechanic who maintains your vehicle so you and your family are transported safely because you would never know. The custodian who diligently cleans and disinfects, you never see it, but they're committed to you living in a safe environment. A police officer who puts their safety at risk to keep your safety preserved. These are all just glimpses of what the kingdom of heaven is made of. When you look at what most people want in society, they want the kingdom of heaven. It's what we, it's what there's, the Bible says all of creation groans in anticipation of the revealing of the sons of God. All creation is waiting for us to step up and be the church. Waiting for us to help bring this kingdom to the world around us. Someone asked me, What's the best thing I, I can do to witness to, my, to the people I work with? And I said, you know, the greatest starting place is show up on time, have a great attitude, do your job with excellence, encourage those that are around you, be positive. I said, and then when you do those things, it opens doors to talk. But sometimes the worst thing you can do is talk. If you're late for work, shut your mouth. <laughs> don't, don't walk in 10 minutes late and say Jesus loves you. Yes, Jesus does love them, but he's a little pissed off at you right now. <laughs> Strike that from. St. Francis of Assisi, he said, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. You know, there's something about, about a life that reflects God's character to the world around us is sometimes the greatest thing that, that can impact the lives of people. Let's stand to our feet. And I want to pray for us in the 42 seconds that I have left remaining. I want to pray that God would just refresh our hearts and renew our hearts towards this thing called work. And when I talk about work, I'm not just talking about you go to a job and you get paid. You know, being a parent is work. You encounter people parenting that nobody else is encountering. Sometimes you're the only other English-speaking person that others are encountering during the day. So there's the work is what we do. And so let's put our hands on our hearts and just say, Jesus, 
Help me connect my life and my purpose to the work that's around me, the work that you've given me to do, that I wouldn't view it as a curse or a necessary evil, but you've created me to impact and to shine light and to be salt and to represent you to the world around me through what I do. Renew my heart and my spirit so I can reflect you well to those around me. Thank you, Father. I'm just going to pray another prayer, and it's, it's a prayer saying yes to Jesus and a prayer saying yes to his purpose. Maybe you're here and you're, you're thinking, you know, I've never said yes to him. I've never said yes to his plan or his purpose. I'm going to lead us all in a prayer, just a moment, and it's just a prayer saying yes to him. And if you want to be included in that, you can just join us as we pray. Let's pray together. Jesus, I say yes to you. I say yes to your purpose and your plan for my life. I want to follow you. I want to know you. I want my sins to be forgiven and to have a brand new start. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's great. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor as a church to play just a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to seeing you soon here at City Life.